Uh, it was. Uh, it's. I'm super excited about this series. It's going to be a good one. And if you remember, Michael kind of introduced this this book to us. And uh, just to recap for a second, Galatians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia. Galatia is in modern-day Turkey, and it was actually one of the first churches that Paul was involved in. It was really early on in Paul's ministry, and it was one of the first letters that he wrote. Um, and so it's, it's actually one of the earliest books written in the New Testament. And like I said, Galatia is located in modern-day Turkey, meaning it wasn't in Israel, so it was predominantly Gentiles or non-Jews. And in the early church, um, if you're not aware, most of the early church was actually uh, Jewish people. It was Jewish people who had, had come to faith in Jesus. And you know, not too long before this, there was a, a, a major conversation, a big meeting, uh, almost a fight about what it took for a Gentile to become a believer. In fact, they were even debating on whether or not Gentiles could be believers, but they, they began to settle it, and they were talking about, you know, what, what it takes for them to, to come into the faith and, and all this kind of stuff. So this was a major issue within the early church. And this conversation began to rise up in the Galatian church, and they began to talk about it. And the main issue that they were talking about was justification. Justification. What does it take for someone to be justified or declared righteous? And really, um, these are just kind of churchy words that mean, what does it take for someone to be in right relationship with God? What does it take for someone to be um, in relationship with God? So what had happened was there was a group of, of Jewish believers who had come to the, the church in Galatia, and they were called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were believers, they were followers of Jesus, and they began to spread their specific doctrine on justification, on how someone is declared right before the Lord and, and can be in relationship with him. And like I said, the Judaizers, they were followers of Jesus. They believed he was the Messiah, but they had a unique idea of, of justification. They believed that the, the, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, could come into the faith, but they were required to follow the Jewish laws and customs. They were saying, yeah, you got to believe that Jesus is, is, is the Messiah, but you also have to follow these rules, these you know, dietary rules, these sacrifice rules, these worship rules, all kinds of rules. And pretty, kind of the main one was, was circumcision, but it wasn't the only one. And so Paul writes this letter to the Galatians to address this issue. This is what the book of Galatians is really about as he's addressing this issue of what it, what it takes, what it means for us to be justified before the Lord. And what he does all through the book of Galatians is he talks about this, this subject, this, this theme called the gospel. He talks about the gospel all through the book of Galatians. And really... The book of Galatians is, is answering that question. What is, what is the gospel and what are its implications? So let me just say this before we jump in. The, the gospel is the most, I believe, the most important thing that we understand as followers of Jesus. It is paramount that we really 
understand what the gospel is. And not just understand it, but it is so important for for our church, for VCDC, to say we are a gospel-centered church. And what I mean by that is the gospel would inform everything that we do. The gospel would be center at our beliefs and, and our actions. And I know a lot of people right now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, and I'm guilty of this too, but you hear that you're going to talk about the gospel and you begin to check out. So you're like, I know this. I've heard the gospel before. I've already, you know, I've already accepted the gospel. But let me just say this. What I want to look at in, in Galatians chapter 2 is that the gospel is just as impactful in our daily lives today as it was the day we became Christians. So before we jump in, I want to quickly define the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel means, as some of you may know, the gospel literally means the good news. The gospel translates to the good news. So what is this good news? I love how N.T. Wright defines the gospel. He says, the gospel is the royal announcement that the crucified and risen Jesus who died for our sins and rose again, according to the scriptures, has been enthroned as the true Lord of the world. That he's been enthroned as the true Lord of the world. And I think that line is really key. That the king has returned. The king has taken back his throne. The kingdom is here. If you look throughout the Bible, this is what Jesus was talking about, the the gospel of the kingdom. He would say the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is near, or prepare yourself because the kingdom is here, it's in your midst. This is the, the central message of what Jesus talked about, and this is central to what the gospel is, is that the king, Jesus, has returned. And I think one of the issues is we often reduce the gospel to, you know, a, a prayer that someone says to come into the faith. Or, or the gospel is a presentation that we give someone to try to get them to become a Christian. Or the gospel is our ticket into heaven. And, and I'm not saying it's not those things, but it is so much more. It's way more broad than just our own personal salvation. It's saying that Jesus has taken his throne and he is bringing back into order this broken world. That this world turned its back on God and and because of that there was was destruction and sin and death and, and, and just evil and disorder. But the king has returned and he's beginning to make all things right. That's the gospel. And one of the implications of this is we can, we can spend eternity in heaven with him and that we can have relationship with him today. But really, if the gospel is, is about Jesus taking the throne, it's more than just that. The implications of the gospel are endless. So let me say this, whether you've heard about the gospel a million times, you've heard the gospel message a million times, or this is your first time hearing it today, like you maybe have never even heard that word, I I really believe that God wants to, to use the gospel today to transform our lives. So I want to ask us to open up our hearts and to, to maybe, you know, 
not build the wall or say, I'm going to tune out for this message. I know the gospel. But to, to maybe allow the gospel to transform you this morning. So I'm going to be looking at, you know, what are the implications of the gospel for us today? What, how should it inform our lives? We're going to be looking at living in the gospel, walking in the gospel. So I'm going to be looking at three key areas that we see in Galatians chapter 2 where Paul is talking about how we can live in the gospel. And before we do, let me just, let me just pray real fast. So Lord, we invite your presence. Lord, we just ask for, for you to come and move among us. We ask you, we say that you, you are welcome to be enthroned in this place. Let your kingdom come. Amen. So, so in this letter of Galatians, where we're going to jump in, Paul has basically been, been talking to the Galatian church and saying, don't turn your back on the gospel. Don't turn your back on the gospel. Don't turn to this other gospel that people are preaching, because really, that gospel is no gospel at all. He's saying, stay true to the real gospel. And then, all of a sudden, before he even really defines the gospel... He, 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 he takes this, 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 this U-turn and begins to tell the story about Peter. And it seems like it comes out of nowhere, but it really doesn't. It's very important. It makes perfect sense why he, he tells this. And, and we got to know who Peter is. If, a lot of us know, but Peter, he was one of the main guys. He was one of the 12 disciples. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was one of the pillars of the early church. He, he wrote a number of books in the Bible. And Peter was a very important figure in the early church. And so Peter and Paul have this major conflict that Paul is telling the, the church of Galatians about. And we're going to jump in, chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So he's saying, Peter used to hang out with the non-Jews. And once the Jews came... He stopped hanging out with the, the, the non-Jews. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas was a super, super nice guy. He was, he, he was known for how nice he was, so this was why he even mentioned that. So I, so I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. I said to Peter in front of everyone, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? See, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified in faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So what I want to look at first is highlighted in verse 16 here. Paul is summarizing 
our response to the gospel message. He's, he's saying a very important part of what the gospel is. What does he say in verse 16? He says, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So point one is the gospel is faith and not works. And this is really important. The gospel is faith and not works. Paul is saying, you are justified, uh, you're not justified by, by what you do, you are justified by what he did. It's not what you do that makes you right with God. He's saying it's not about following the Jewish custom. It's, it's not about, you know, getting circumcised. It's not about, you know, you know, doing these certain things. It's about putting your faith in Jesus. That's what gets you right relationship. That's the gospel. That's the good news. See, the gospel's not good advice for people. It's not good rules to live by. It's good news. The king has returned. The king has, is, is, is making all things right. He died for our sins. Something happened. It's news. So the, the Judaizers said, yeah, to be justified, you have to put your faith in Jesus, but you also have to do these things. And Paul says, no, the only thing you have to do is accept the gospel, accept Jesus' free gift. And if you're like me, you look at this and you say, I'm on board with that. Way to go, Paul. Like, yeah, you don't have to be circumcised. That's silly. That's silly. I'm, I'm totally on board with what you're saying. But, but while I believe a lot of us understand this concept up here and agree with up, up here, we don't necessarily agree with it in our hearts. It hasn't really sunk in into our hearts. And here, here's what I mean. You know, a lot of times when I hear people share their faith with other people or when they, when they, when they you know, share the gospel with others or they, they're you know, talking to someone about Jesus, when they're telling people about the good news, it doesn't really sound like good news to me. It sounds like get your act together. Stop doing this. Stop living that lifestyle. Start going to church. You need to stop being so buck wild and you need to get your butt in church. Something like that, right? Stop sinning. Stop doing this. Sounds like the Judaizers. Do these certain things so that you can be in relationship with God. But what does Paul say? He says, it's not by our works. We're not justified by the works of the law. We are justified by faith in Jesus. It's not what we do that saves us. It's what he does. And listen, what we do matters. I think we are called to turn away from sin, but it's not turning away from sin that saves us. Jesus saves us. That's the good news. So let me say this today. If, if, if you are not a follower of Jesus, if, you, you know, if you're sitting here and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, and you've been, you've been told a message about Jesus that is different than the message I'm saying this morning, I just want to say I am really sorry that someone misinformed you. 
That Jesus is saying, you can come into my arms just the way you are. That I love you the way you are and I accept you. And all you have to do is put your faith in me. But I also want to say, that doesn't mean that Jesus is not going to ask you to make some changes in your life. That doesn't mean he's not going to say, hey, we need to talk about this issue. But to be in relationship with him, to, to enter into to, 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 uh, this journey with Jesus where he's a part of your life and, and you get to be in relationship with him, all you have to do is just say, I accept what you did, Jesus. It's not about what you do, it's about what he did. So in one way where I think we've uh, misinterpreted the gospel is what we communicate to other people. We say, you got to get your act together. You got to do this. You got to go to church. You got to, you know, whatever it is. But you know what else? Another way that I think we've misunderstood the gospel is the message that we communicate to ourselves. And I think this is probably even more common. So many of us treat ourselves like we have to earn God's approval. Like if we blow it big time, if we just, you know, do some really big sin or we keep on struggling with this habitual sin and we just feel like God is disappointed with me and he doesn't want anything to do with me. And I got to I got to fix this issue before I can really be right with God. You know, in, in order for me to be right with God, I have, to, I have to do a better job of reading my Bible and go to church, and I need to stop doing this, because I'm, you know, God, he doesn't want anything to do with me right now, or he's disappointed with me, or he's, he's asking me to change this before we can be cool. We all do this, and it's just not true. It's not true. What is always true is that Jesus accepts you the way you are. And he says that you are accepted by what he did. He has declared you righteous by what he did. The gospel message is just as true for you today as it was the day you became a Christian. Now, sometimes sin causes a wedge but usually that's on our end. That's not on God's end. He's always for you. The Bible makes it really clear. He is always for you. He never abandons you. He never forsakes you. He is, his affection is always towards you. And again, what we do matters. What we do matters. And it, it has extreme significance, but it doesn't matter in the way of being accepted by him. Does that make sense? His delight, his pleasure, his affection is not dependent on what choices you make. So let me move on to chapter two, or I mean to point two. And just to recap, he is always for you. You are justified by what he did and not what you do. The gospel is faith and not works. So point two is this. The gospel is the great equalizer. The gospel is the great equalizer. This puts us all on on equal footing. And here's what I mean. You know, one of the things we see in this story that I think, you know, we'd be foolish to not address is that it was Peter's racism. Peter was being really racist in this story. See, in 
first century Israel and in the early church, the Jews and the Gentiles were at major odds. They didn't really like each other. They were very, very divided. The, the Gentiles hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Gentiles. In fact, you can read stories about how rabbis would teach young boys to, to pray this prayer and thank God that they weren't born a, 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 a Gentile. If you, go, if you went to the, the temple, and, and, and even, even today, there, there are different levels where they say Gentiles aren't allowed beyond this point, and women aren't allowed beyond this point. There were so many things that divided people, and especially within the Jews and the Gentiles. And what does Peter, t- Peter do? In verse 12, it says that he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. It was a divided culture. It was divided, and, and, and the truth is, is we live in a very divided culture, don't we? And not just, not just with race. We live in a very divided culture in so many areas. I mean, we, we political parties... You know, liberals and conservatives cannot get along. And, and you know, the, the poor and the rich cannot get along. And, and we, 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 we tend to divide over so many things. But the truth is, 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 is if we watch the news, we have to be honest that, that racism is a serious issue in our culture today. And as Christians, we're not immune, we're not immune to that. We're really not. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says that Sunday mornings, or said, Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. is the most segregated hour in America. And I don't think much has changed since when he said that. I mean, churches are so segregated. And I think it's a shame. And really, even, like I said, even more than ju- just racism, we, there's prejudice and, 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 and division and discrimination over so many issues, whether it's gender or religion or political party or age, economics, or, or, or we discriminate based off of education or, or disability or, you know, country of origin. There's just so many things where we have prejudice, or, or discrimination, or all, you know, all those things. But Paul says in the next chapter of Galatians, I'm going to kind of steal next week's thunder a little bit. He says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. That with all this division, all of this brokenness, because of what Jesus did, it, 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 it brought us together and has caused us to be one. Now the implications are still working itself out and our brokenness is still a huge part of this and, we, and a lot of us fight against it. But this is, this is the heart of Jesus that, that we would be one. And our sin nature and our tendency as humans is to divide. You know, and let me just say this. This is not, I want you to hear that this is, this is challenging to me. I'm not up here saying, you guys figure this out like I have. I'm not, I, am, I am constantly wrestling with the own pride and my own favoritism and the own ways that I 
place value on certain people and not on other people. And I, I, I build up walls sometimes. And this is something that God is working in me. And I, so I just, I just want us to, you to hear that I'm not coming from a place of saying, I figured this out. And the truth is, as much as you may want to say that you have this figured out, that you don't have racist tendencies, or you don't have sexist tendencies, or nationalist tendencies, it's just not true. We, we all do. You, you can't escape it. See, I mean, look at Peter. Peter, do you know that Peter led the fight for the Gentiles? Peter was, remember that story I was telling earlier about how they they had fought for the Gentiles to be accepted into the faith? You know who started that fight? Peter. Peter had this vision from God where God said, you need to, you need, the Gentiles should be allowed in and nothing extra should be required of him. So Peter started this fight. I think deep down, Peter really cared about the Gentiles. I think he loved the Gentiles. And what he did wasn't something super insidious, like he didn't like use like derogatory terms for the, the Gentiles or like beat a Gentile up. What, what did he do? He just started to eat with the Jewish people and not with the Gentiles. It was something really small and subtle. And sometimes what we do can be very small and subtle and we don't see the effect of it. But Paul is, Paul is saying, no, there's an effect to the small, subtle things as well. And I want us as a church, I want VCDC to be a church that's not saying we just need to get over racism and pretend like it's not an issue and bury our heads in the sand, but recognize this is an issue in all of our hearts and we need to address it. And you know what the, the way to address it is with the truth of the gospel, See, I think when we look at America and we see some of these, or the world, and we see some of these hopeless situations, like how are these two groups of people going to come together? You know how I think they come together? It's through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prayer, praying the gospel would infiltrate these areas. Because it is an issue. I mean, if, you know, it's an issue. And here's what I think is interesting. Paul doesn't say to Peter, hey, Peter, you need to stop being a racist, which he could have. He could have addressed like, the, the symptom of his, his racism, or he could have used you know, verses in the Bible that talk about racism and said, hey, look, Peter, this is, you know, you got us, the Bible says this. He didn't do that. He went to the core of, of Peter, and he reminded Peter of the gospel. Paul says in verse 14, they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. He was saying Paul didn't understand the gospel. He wasn't, he wasn't living in line with the gospel. He's saying that the gospel puts everybody on equal footing. It's the great equalizer. Scripture tells us that we all have sinned. We are all guilty. We are all condemned. There are not certain people who are more condemned or more guilty. We are all guilty. But the gospel says, and you can be accepted. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your skin color, no matter your gender, no matter your country of origin, no matter your economic background, no matter your IQ, no matter your education, no matter your marital status, you can be accepted and loved. 
And if we look through the Gospels, it is always about breaking down dividing walls. Because as humans, we love dividing walls. We love to categorize. But the gospel is all about dividing walls. I love Ephesians chapter 2, talking about Jesus. Paul says, For he himself is our peace, he who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is what happens when the gospel starts to infiltrate our hearts as dividing walls begin to tumble down. This is what Jesus is about. I love how Billy Graham says this. He says, there's no scriptural basis for segregation. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. So ask yourself, is there anything that you do that you think or that you say that in any way promotes the building of these these proverbial walls? Remember, what what Peter did was really subtle. Is there anything subtle that you do? You know, like a harmless joke. Like a little joke. It's, you know, these people are that way. I'm just joking. It's not that big of a deal. Like political rhetoric that you say. How does it make other people feel? How does it make people feel when you make absolute statements about all Republicans or all Democrats or all feminists or all Muslims or all, you know, whatever it is. How does that make people feel? Or the language that you use that you just think it's just a word. It's just a word. Let me give you an example of this. When I was younger, I used to, you know, say things like, oh, that's so retarded. That's retarded. And I had no problem with it. And I I knew that some people would be offended sometimes, but like, it's just a word. I don't mean it in a, you know, a mean way. Until I had a a close friend of mine have a son with Down syndrome. And he gently just really kind of talked to me about it. But I would see every time that word was used in a movie or in passing by someone, I just saw that it felt like a sting in his heart. And even though, you know, sometimes when that word or other words are used, it doesn't come from like a really evil, malicious place Things like that can divide, can say we place value on, on, on certain people or, or make other people feel like they are less valued. So a harmless joke, a word you say, who you choose to spend your time with, who you, who you hang out with on your lunch break at work, you know, a little post on Facebook. Is it dividing? Or is it, is it unifying? Is it pouring fuel on the fire of division in our country? Or is it, is it being a salve to say, let's, let's, let's bring people together? And not just what we say, but what's deep in our hearts. If we're all on equal, if the, if the ground is equal at the foot of the cross, if it's level, do we really believe that deep in our hearts? Do we have judgments to certain, you know, people groups or, or anger towards a certain race or, or fear towards, you know, a, a people from certain countries? Do we place value? Do we say if you, if, you know, if you're successful, you have more value than if you're 
less successful or, or, or if you have some kind of disability, you're less valuable. Do we place value on people? Deep in our hearts. We might not even realize we're doing it. But what happens when your heart, in your heart when someone brings up Muslims? What happens in your heart when someone brings up, you know, African Americans or, or liberals or conservatives or, or immigrants? What happens in your heart? Hey, what about this? Older people. What happens in your heart when, when millennials are brought up? Hey, young folks, what do you think about when you think of older folks? Yeah. It's not, just, it's not just about race. We divide over everything. And Paul is saying, hey, no, that's not the gospel, guys. Galatians chapter 2, earlier in the, in the chapter, I didn't read it, but I love this little thing that Paul says. He says, God does not show favoritism, period. And we should not show favoritism. And, I'm, and listen, Saying that we are equal doesn't mean that we are all the same. We are not the same. We're different. Can I tell you something? And this is maybe a pet peeve of mine. I, I don't think we should be colorblind. I don't. I think color is important. God obviously felt that color was important because he made us all different colors. He made us all shapes and sizes and he made us different. And I think he wants us to celebrate our differences and say, that's beautiful that you're different. But he wants us to be different together and not place value on our differences, to not divide over our differences. The gospel is the great equalizer. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off my soapbox and move on to my final point. before you guys hate me totally. Hey, so the gospel, the last point is this, the gospel is essential for our daily lives. The gospel is essential for our daily lives. You know, if you ask most people, if you ask most Christians, who is the gospel for, the answer they'll give you is the gospel is for non-believers. But I believe it's just as much for believers as non-believers. Again, I love how Peter says that they were not acting in line with the gospel, meaning there is a way that we would act that the gospel informs, that we need to act in line in the, with the gospel, that we need to walk in the truth of the gospel every day of our lives. It's essential for our daily lives. It informs how we live and listen, I'm not even talking about in a, in, a, in a moralistic way. I'm not saying the gospel should inform, you know, if we sin or not sin, which it should, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm not talking about, but about whether or not we should, you know, live a moral life or an immoral life. Um, what I'm talking about is that all the decisions we make, everything that we do, every fork in the road, Every time we, we face some kind of conflict or, or have some kind of hardship in our life or when we're, when we're just making decisions, our everyday decisions, the gospel should define how we make those decisions. 
Tim Keller defines the gospel. He says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. See, I think one thing that we can get out of this, and you can leave this up, leave this, this, this up, is that in every decision that we make, we are, we are functioning out of one of three areas. That every time we, 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 we decide to take a step forward in life, we are, we are functioning out of one of three areas. And let me break this down for you. When there's a fork in the road, we're, we're saying we're functioning from one of these three areas. And the first area is this. The first area is pride. When we make decisions, when we go forward, pride says, I need to get mine. That I deserve this. I need to get as much as I can because I deserve it. Or I'll climb the ladder and I don't care who gets in my way. We function out of pride. I remember at at an old job that I had, Uh, I remember someone got promoted to a position that I felt like I deserved. And I, you know, I wouldn't have said it at the time, but I started welling up with with pride, where I felt like I deserve that position. That position was should be mine. So my my reaction was to work twice as hard. And I work twice as hard, not because that's the good and right thing to do. I work twice as hard to prove that that was the wrong decision. And I would point out when that person would make little mistakes. And I did it in a way that seemed like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being a rat or anything. But I'd be like, hey, that, that may have been not wise for that person to do that. But it was all motivated out of pride that I deserve. This is mine. I got to get what's mine. So if on one side is pride, the other side is fear and insecurity. That, oh man, I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I'm good enough. And I don't know if I truly have value unless I get this. Or I don't, I don't, this situation seems scary and I I can't go forward in this. And I'll go over this way instead. Or I'll do this because I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I don't do this. Like, what if I don't have enough money in my account? What if, what if I haven't been saving enough? And what if my, you know, let me, let me give you an example in my life. My, my daughter, who is a total sweetie, recently has been having some behavioral issues. She is a strong-willed little girl. And uh, somewhat recently, we've gotten into some trouble where Sunday school teachers are calling us back, and, and one day we got kicked out of the Y because she was, yeah. So anyways, so she's having some behavioral issues, and my immediate reaction is fear. It's fear. I don't want my daughter to end up being like this. I don't want my daughter to, 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 to do this, and, and what does this say about me as a parent, and, and what are people going to think about, you know, uh, you know, all these things. It's fear, and so, so how I react is I got to discipline, and I got I to be so strict, and there's nothing wrong with discipline and being strict, but it was coming out of a place of fear. And let me say whether it's pride or it's fear, if we are motivated by those things, we are going to have bad fruit. We can make a good decision out of fear, but it's going to produce bad fruit. 
If you make a good decision, like working hard out of pride, it's going to lead to more pride. If you make a a, a good decision out of fear, it's going to lead to more insecurity and more fear. But in the middle, and let me just say that those two things are really two sides of the same coin. They're both focusing on self. But in the middle, the way that the, the Lord is calling us to live and to function is out of the truth of the gospel. It's out of the truth of the gospel. See, the gospel tells us that we can't be prideful because we're flawed. We're sinful. We're no better than anyone else. We can't be prideful. But it also tells you that you can't be fearful or you shouldn't be fearful or insecure because you are loved and accepted and valued. You are valued so much that the king gave his life for you. So the truth of the gospel says you can't function out of pride. You can't function out of fear. You function in the the reality that God is on the throne. And no matter what happens, Jesus is on the throne. I remember a couple years ago, most of you know this, but my mom got into a really, really horrible accident. And the, the first phone call I got was from my dad. It was about a five-second phone call that said, uh, Mom has been in an accident. She's being lifelined, um, and she, she's unconscious. And later, more information was coming in, and it was starting to... Sit, seem like we don't know if she's going to make it and then it was we don't know if she's going to walk but I remember when I initially heard the news my initial reaction was to be over here to be in fear to, to, to say I can't lose my mom I can't this cannot happen but God reminded me of the truth of the gospel that his kingdom is here And that he is God, he is good, and he is in control. And that no matter what happens, I don't have to be afraid. That no matter what life throws at us, we might, I mean, I love how Paul just has this attitude. It seems like he had this, such a deep understanding of the gospel where he would say, you know, throw me in jail. You know, I'll lose my friends. You can beat me. You can do anything. And I'm going to be content because I have Jesus. He understood the truth of the gospel. He said, you know, to live is Christ, so to die is gain. That's the truth of the gospel, is that God is in control, so nothing that happens can can stop that. That's how we should function. Not out of pride. Not saying, I gotta get as much out of this as I can, or I gotta push other people down, or I gotta, or not out of fear of, oh man, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen but the security of of Jesus, the King, has returned. That's the gospel. So here's how I want to end. Can we all stand? You know, I think there are some people here today who have never accepted the truth of the gospel. That you, you you may have been going to church your whole life, 
but you have never accepted the gospel message. You've never asked Jesus to, for his free gift. You've maybe felt like I gotta earn his affection. So I wanna just ask you, if you wanna enter into this relationship with God, if you wanna be declared right with God today, I'm gonna say a quick prayer. And I just want you to say this prayer with me. So can we all bow our heads? And if you, if you, want, if you want to say this prayer with me, I, I just invite you to do that. Oh, Jesus, I, I, just, I just say that I know that I'm flawed. I know that I um, have messed up, that I'm broken. But Lord, I want to accept what your free gift, your forgiveness, your love. And I want to, I, I want to be right with you. I want to be in this, and I don't understand all of this, and I don't, I don't know what this is all going to mean, but I want to, I want to enter into this relationship and this journey with you. If you said that prayer with me, with all our heads bowed, can you just raise your hand? Bless you. Bless you. Anyone else? Bless you. There's a number of you. Just raise it high so I can bless you guys. Can you put your hands down? So this is, this is what we do. You know, we believe that as a church, we want to respond to the word of God. That we don't want it just to, to stay up here as head knowledge, but we want to respond. So one of the things that Jesus talked about is that when the kingdom of God comes, there's a lot of cool things that happen. And when the king is on the throne and his kingdom advances, that he talks about the chains being broken, that the, the oppressed are set free, that sickness that is healed. And we live in a time where the kingdom is not fully here yet, but it's, it's coming, and we get to see evidence of it. So I just want to invite you, if you are a person today that you, you have any sickness in your body, whether it's a chronic disease that you've had for years or you, you've, you've had a headache for the past hour, I want to invite you up to get prayer that the king wants to set you free. And if there's anything that you're struggling with in your life, if there's any kind of bondage or, or you know, any, anything that you feel like I need to see the king on his throne in this area, I want to invite you forward to get prayer. But I also specifically want to call people up who have realized as I was talking that they tend to function out of pride, that they tend to function out of I need to get what's mine, or, or, and also the people that tend to function out of fear, that there's a lot of fear in your life about specific situations. I think financially, um, the Lord said about fear of what's going to happen to your kids, um, just different kinds of fear. So if, if any of those things, whether it's you know, wanting to be set free, wanting healing, physical healing, or if, if you, you feel like you... Uh, function out of pride or, or insecurity. I want to invite you forward to get prayer and we're going to sing one last song, but just start making your way up to the front. You call me out. You call me out upon the water the great unknown where feet may fail. We just have some people come and lay a hand Bitter on them and just pray for these people. In the mystery, in oceans deep, 
my faith will stand And I will call upon your name And keep my eyes above the waves When oceans rise My soul will rest in your embrace For I am yours And you I need a number of women prayers. At least a couple more. Your grace. Your grace abounds in deepest water. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. Where feet may fill and fear surrounds me. Never fail And you won't start now So I will call upon your name And keep my eyes above the waves When oceans rise My soul will rest in your embrace For I am yours is without borders let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior I will call I will call upon your Keep my eyes above the waves When oceans rise My soul will rest in your embrace For I am yours And you are mine So Lord, we just thank you for your gospel We thank you that uh, in a world that can sometimes feel so hopeless that you are bringing hope. In a world that can feel so divided, you are bringing reconciliation. In a world that can feel so sick, you are bringing healing. So Lord, we ask that we can be um, ambassadors of your hope, ambassadors of your reconciliation. Lord, open our eyes to the, to the implications of the gospel in our everyday lives, Lord. Open our eyes to the gospel, Lord. Let us never go a day without thinking about the effects of the gospel in our, in our lives. Let it sink down to our cores. So we praise you, Jesus. We lift you up. Amen.